This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, we already got the chat. Uh, trying to rile up Mike McClure. Let's see. Unpretentious Ox says M2, Baltimore by 17. Well, Mike's going to share his opinion on that. Take Josh Lucero. I see you in the chat. Everybody, thanks for being in here. Hit the like button if you would. Mike McClure, Meg Shop. This is Fantasy Football Today. DFS, we've got the championship games, AFC and NFC to talk about. We're going to talk about how to address a shorter slate. Meg, you and I talk about this quite a bit, obviously. Let me ask you, I mean, you know, like we always talk about when we have good weeks and we have bad weeks. I almost had a good week. yet. Like if Khalil Shakir had caught that touchdown pass, or I shouldn't say touchdown pass, Josh Allen, he had a pass to Shakir at the end of the game. Even though I didn't have Lamar Jackson, I would have won a decent amount of money if he connected on that. That was thanks to the pass rush. It, it kind of knocked Josh Allen off balance. And so um, th- that's where we are. But did you have a decent week last week? I mean, if you didn't play Lamar, you probably didn't have a great week. But Josh Allen kind of got there. No, I had a, I actually had a great week. Um, and it was a lot of stuff that we talked about. Um, you know, I was very high on Lamar and then Baker stacks, uh, being high on Mike Evans and, and pass catchers in that Lions Bucks game. So I actually finished in 11th in the contest that you won the week before. So I was like, oh my gosh, can I run no it back way. like Sia? Yeah. So I was so close. I needed another Pacheco touchdown. He was so close. And then obviously Hardman had fumbled like the next play. So had Hart, uh, Pacheco got that second touchdown, I think I would have gotten there. But, you know, it's a game of inches and uh, it was. It was a fun sweat, and it was definitely a profitable week, and I look to run it back this week. I love that. And, Mike, what's so funny about what she just said is when they handed it to you, are a Kansas City Chiefs fan. <laughs> you were all over the Chiefs last week, and you nailed it, as usual. You know, part of me thinks, and we'll get to the DFS portion of this show in a second, but part of me thinks Kansas City just can't help but get in its own way. I understand Pacheco was tired after getting them down to, like, the two-yard line, but, you know, the, the, little, the little shovel pass to McCall, to, of all people, a McColl, Kadarius, Hardman, Tony, like it just didn't make a lot of sense. There were so many other paths to scoring a very easy touchdown, given what the Bills were giving up on the ground. Your take on that play in general? Yeah, I mean, it's just totally unnecessary. Uh, we've seen this from Kansas City many times this season. They were supposedly going to cut some of those plays from the playbook. Uh, but that something like that cost them three games during the regular season. One, most notably the game against the Bills where we had the offensive offside. Uh, mm-hmm. They win that game easily there if that call doesn't happen. Uh, it happened, it's like, like I said, three times. They got away with it there. Uh, but, yeah, I cannot imagine the scenario where you wouldn't 
want to hand the ball off three times up the middle if that's what it takes. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to mention in that spot, considering where you're at in, in the game and everything there, if it you don't get in on the first play, if it takes all the way to third down, like another minute and a half off the clock is not a bad thing at that point. Like it's definitely a positive thing for them. So very frustrating to see that. I would like to think that we don't see that again from Kansas City, but hard to say when uh, you've seen it many times. Yeah, it's interesting when you say kind of max out the clock here. I, you know, so before we get into to DFS, I want to point out two things. Of course, we've got these two games, Chiefs plus three and a half at the Ravens. It's a 44 and a half point total. We got the Lions, this line moving up to seven and a half, actually, in a lot of places, which is a very interesting turn. Um, and that total has actually gone up from 50 and a half to 51 and a half. So uh, the, the reason I bring that up, Mike, before we get into this, and by the way, I see Chris Kish in the chat, but Derek Brown, friend of the show, otherwise known as D-Bro, uh, he's in the chat repping out Ayuk, the best play on the slate, he says, Baltimore-Detroit Super Bowl incoming. Well, that is very interesting, D-Bro. Thanks for being in the chat, my friend. Really appreciate that. Derek Brown's been on this show more than a few times, uh, especially in our preseason episodes. So really appreciate him being in here. Let me ask you this, because when it comes to the Chiefs-Ravens, again, 44.5-point total versus a 51.5-point total, Mike, I'm going to kick this to you because one way I think the Chiefs win this game is if they limit possessions. I know that's not the typical Chiefs path, and maybe that's what the Ravens think too, by the way, but I could see this game really being a lot of running, a lot of short area passing, a lot of kind of milking the clock, if you will, which lends itself to me to thinking, all right, like, Maybe I'm stacking this Lions-Niners game and I'm just getting a piece or two from this Chiefs-Ravens game. I see Meg nodding her head there. What do you think of that take in particular? Because there's only so many paths on a two-game slate. Yeah, only so many paths, but I think you're correct. Kansas City absolutely wants to limit possessions. Uh, Baltimore likely does as well. You don't want to have Patrick Mahomes on the field if you don't have to. So uh, both of these teams want to keep that clock rolling. Both of them are going to have a ton of success between the 20s. Uh, it's going to come down to defense and the red zone there. Uh, as far as you know, plays, though, I think that it's interesting on the Kansas City side because I think a lot of the volume is extremely concentrated now uh, in terms of it's going to Travis Kelsey, it's going to Rasheed Rice, it's going to Pacheco. Uh, I really don't think you have to worry about anyone else there. On the Baltimore side, it's really uh, Lamar Jackson. Like You're looking for Lamar Jackson running with his legs. Uh, you're not getting cute trying to stack uh, certain pass catchers, especially now that they're likely introducing Mark Andrews back into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that you're dead on. It's going to be a lot slower. It doesn't mean it'll be lower scoring necessarily. It will just be limited possessions. They could be limited possessions, but touchdowns on every possession, um, but their possessions will absolutely be limited. So I personally agree with you on uh, mostly grabbing pieces. It would just be the, and, and likely the Kansas city pieces more than the the Baltimore pieces, uh, just because I think Kansas city is more likely to be in neutral or trailing. And the volume is so good for a guy like Pacheco and, and Travis Kelsey. Let me ask you this before I kick it to Meg. Uh, Noah Gray, uh, Derek Brown brings Noah Gray up. And when I made my first lineup, and I've only made a couple, it was a two tight end lineup and Noah Gray was one of them. And, and really, uh, you know, I, I'm looking for some luck with Noah Gray, right? I'm looking for, of course, a touchdown, but just maybe a catch or two, because at 2,500, he, he allows me to do so many other things. You being the Kansas City Chiefs guy, I know you're big on Noah Gray kind of like in general as, as an athlete, as, as a tight end. Is he is he's somebody that's actually going to make it into one of your like five lineups, if you will? Uh, very likely. Yes. Uh, you, you have to like the price point, obviously, twenty five hundred. Uh, it, it really like literally doesn't get better than that. So um, 
<laughs> yes, I think he's extremely talented. I, I've actually often made the comparison that the gap between Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray is very small. Uh, some might think that's a crazy take, but athletically, uh, Noah Gray might be a better athlete than Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I think given the opportunity and what we've seen, I think that he definitely can succeed here. And I, at the price point, yeah, I think he, he's definitely going to be more involved than a guy like McCole Hardman or some of the other receivers. All right, Meg, let me transition to you. When it comes to this Chiefs-Ravens game, I'm curious. Listen, we, we got four quarterbacks here, right? We've got Jared Goff and Brock Purdy. We can make arguments for them when we get to that game. Mahomes certainly can make an argument for him. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I mean, the, some obvious arguments for him uh, in spite of the fact that he's the most expensive at 7,700 on DraftKings. It, it, in this game, uh, are, do you think you're getting to a quarterback in this game or do you think you're waiting for that Lions-Niners game? And, and if you are getting to a quarterback in this game, which of the two is it? I have one favorite one in each game. And, and to me, it is Lamar. I talked about it last week about how Jackson has had his elite ceiling games at home. I believe he had four during this, the regular season, 30 plus points. And he ran it back and did it again at home in the playoffs against the Texans. So to me, it's, it's Lamar for that floor ceiling combo. Obviously he can do it on the ground and, you know, it could be, you know, another you know, two, three touchdown in the air game. And then if he gets one or two on the ground, you know, you're absolutely, um, you know, hitting that ceiling and work paying off that price. So um, I am going back to Lamar this week in this game. And then I do have an interest in a quarterback in the second game. Yeah. What's interesting about Lamar is in your, like, again, it's a two game slate. So it's a little tricky. I think the first lineup I built, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking it was going to be a golf lineup. And, and I had, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. It was either Jameson Williams or Josh Reynolds. It was probably Josh Reynolds, thanks to Mike McClure. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I had a couple, of course. I think I had Kittle and um, it wasn't Ayuk. It was Kittle and uh, Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. Long story short, Noah Gray was in there. I was able to go uh, trade out of golf, really, and go up to Lamar Jackson while still keeping those two receivers in the Detroit game. The, the, the long story short here is that when I did that, I ended up having a Lamar Jackson stack with only Odell Beckham. My question for you, Meg, is if you have Lamar Jackson in there, uh, are you who are you pairing him with? How many people are you pairing him with? Knowing that it is a two-game slate, it's kind of funny because I feel like even though it's a two-game slate, you could potentially play him naked or, or just with one guy. Uh, how, how would you play Lamar here? Right. To Mike's point and to your point, you don't have to stack him. You could play him naked. However, what I've noticed in looking at early ownership projections is that some of his receivers, a lot of his receiving options are going to be sub 15% owned. And on a short two game slate, that's low owned. And so, you know, I may have some interest in a Mark Andrews if, you know, we're getting reports that he's fully healthy. He's a go you know, I've made the mistake before waiting to see a guy and see if he's really healthy. And then, oh, wait, he's really totally healthy. And you wanted to play him his first week back. You know, they have two games left. This is for everything, you know, provided that they they win. So, I, you know, for me, I I'm, do have some interesting Andrews. You know, Lamar talks about how he's his, his guy and his bread and butter and go-to guy. So I have some interest there because he's going to come solo own. Beckham, I'm so confused why he had such a low route percentage. Um, I, I'm trying to dig further into that. Haven't found anything yet that, that's clear as to why it was so low. But, you know, the, the talk going into last week was that he was going to get ramped up for the playoffs. So, you know, I want to read more into that. Like, will we see a little bit more of Odell? Because, again, we're talking two guys that could be very explosive at sub 15 percent ownership. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was they just didn't need to pass the ball. I mean, the fourth quarter was like, if we're being honest, and Mike, I'm going to go to you in a second on 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 this game. 
it was a little embarrassing for the Houston Texans. I mean, they literally couldn't stop the run, even though they knew it was coming the entire fourth quarter. And listen, I, I lost one prop last week. I ended up going four and one on sports line, five and one total. The, the prop I lost was Isaiah Likely. I had him over 36 and a half receiving yards. He ended up, on, well, he scored a touchdown, which was great for DFS to some degree, even though he didn't have a great game. He ended up on 34 receiving yards because, like, why do we need Isaiah Likely after the basically the third quarter? Like, they just didn't need to pass the ball because Houston couldn't stop it. But I want to ask you this, Mike. Because I think a lot of people, listen, again, I got to say it again, knowing it's a two-game slate, let's talk about maybe alternative game scripts here. Like, I think a lot of people saw what Lamar Jackson's done this season. They saw what he did last week against the Houston Texans. And my thought is, okay, well, they're going to play Lamar, and it makes sense to play Lamar. But what about when Baltimore is in a trailing game script? I happen to know from listening to other shows and being on the early edge with you that you like the Chiefs in this game. What if the Chiefs get out early? And then now all of a sudden, Debro brings up Justice Hill in the chat. Maybe Justice Hill is in play. Maybe Odell, Zay Flowers, you know, we can name a bunch of players here. Mark Andrews, uh, Isaiah Likely, whoever it is, Nelson Aguilar. Like, are you playing this for alter- alternative game scripts here too, where maybe it's the Chiefs ahead and it's Lamar in a trailing game script? A little bit. However, I don't think it changes a ton on the Lamar side because I think he runs more either way. Like, I think he's just going to run a lot in this game. Uh, If they're trailing, it'll be, you know, him just getting creative and and rushing even more. So I'm not uh, overly concerned on game script on the Ravens side, but I'm also not super interested in playing anyone other than Lamar. Uh, Justice Hill is fine uh, because the requirement, you know, we talk about this a lot when you get to a three game slate, two game slate, excuse me, you still have to play two running backs. Uh, It's not a showdown slate where you don't have to play any if you don't want to. Um, So Justice Hill could definitely work in for salary savings at only 4,800. You know, he's got way more workload than guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Elijah Mitchell, who are basically in the same price range. So if you need the salary savings, Justice Hill is fine there. Uh, I'm glancing through a lot of my builds now. I don't think I have any Ravens pass catchers at all. Um, and, so, and part of that is, I, I honestly, I think that uh, I think this, I think the possessions here are going to be extremely limited. So, in those lineups, though, without a pass catcher, are there some that actually have Lamar Jackson at quarterback, maybe with a running back, or just Lamar Jackson naked? Mostly Lamar Jackson naked. Some of them have Justice Hill. Um, who, again, can catch passes out of the backfield. Um, let me see. Let me look at the rest of the Lamars. Yeah, I don't have – most of them are Lamar naked. Okay. Um, and on the other side, uh, let's talk about a lineup that has some bringbacks. Are we talking Pacheco? Are we talking Rasheed Rice? Are we talking Travis Kelsey? Obviously, Noah Gray, just from a salary-saving standpoint, maybe Justin Watson might get included in there, maybe an MBS. Yeah, so Pacheco in every lineup, no matter what, um, Travis Kelsey, very close to the same status. Uh, so I would say every lineup should have a minimum of two uh, Chiefs on the bring back, possibly three uh, and as many as four. If you wanted to play Pacheco, Rice, Kelsey, and Gray, I don't mind it because it means you're also playing Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk probably um, at, at those price points. If you're jamming in uh, Gray as that cheap piece, I, I don't think it's a bad play. And so let, let me ask you one more question here. When you have two, and you, maybe you already answered this, but when you have, let's say, like two bringbacks, or maybe maybe you add a third on the Chiefs side, you can do that with just playing Lamar naked. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. I'm and that, that gets you a, a ton of ownership in that Lions-Niners game, which we're, we're going to get to in a second. Meg, do you have any uh, – we talked about the Ravens pass catchers, but when it comes to – 
really the Kansas City Chiefs in general. I mean, uh, listen, we know Pacheco has a little bit of a, a turf toe injury that it looks like he's going to be fine and play through. I mean, I'm I'm speculating when I say just casually like he's going to be fine, but it does seem like he's going to be playing and he should be close to 100%. Is Pacheco sort of a necessary piece for you? Or are you finding yourself saying to yourself, well, I really want to get Rasheed Rice, I really want to get or Travis Kelsey, and I really want so much in this Liners-Niners game that I'm willing to fade Pacheco. Are you willing to fade Pacheco here? I mean, in some builds, if that is the way it fits, yes, I'm willing to fade Pacheco, but I think Pacheco and Kelsey are my favorites of the Chiefs. To to Mike's point, you know, those are the three Chiefs I'm targeting, and you guys make a great point about Noah Gray as well, but those are the three Chiefs I'm targeting, but I have the most interest in Pacheco and Kelsey. Also, they're coming a little lower owned, I believe, um, at again, early projection, ownership projections than Rice. So um, those are my favorite right now, and I definitely um, – like both Pacheco and Kelsey, and and it's just kind of going to be what fits in that particular build and story. All right. And let's, before we get to Lions Niners, um, Meg, any chance you play Mark Andrews or Isaiah likely? I mean, it's, I mean, I, I say that it's funny how I sort of couch that because like, obviously they're two very good players and Mark Andrews like could be the primary target if healthy. I found when I was doing my, my the two builds that I've done that I just didn't get there. So are, are you thinking you're going to pay five? Like there's other tight ends that are like really good options. Like we talked yeah. about the cheap, no great, of course, but like Kelsey, George Kittle's obviously a great option. Um, you know, Sam Laporta might be a pretty good option. Are you getting, you think, to Mark Andrews or Isaiah likely? I think I could just because, again, I think this with all the tight ends on the slate, this could be another week where we see a two tight end build. And Mm -hmm. I so I'm absolutely fine with that. And then I do think, as I mentioned earlier, that Andrews and likely are two of the Ravens pass cap catching options that are coming in sub 15 percent owned as of now. Well, again, we'll see later in the week. And so. I, I, I really like that, especially, again, I, I don't want to make the same mistake that I have in the past where I want to wait to see it. You know, um, you know, I think yeah. Mark Andrews could have played last week. They sat him at, you know, rest him for another week to get even another week of practice under his belt. So, you know, I'm going under the assumption that he is going to be a full go. And if I'm getting him at low ownership, I definitely have a lot of interest in Andrews. And then, you know, likely would still be in my player pool. I'll say it that way. Mike, go ahead. Uh, just while we're talking tight ends, because we've talked up Noah Gray here, I wanted to find some data to back up my claim that he is more athletic than Travis Kelsey. They had the same combine grade in terms of athleticism. That's actually a category. Uh, the 40 time, 4.61, 4.62, identical vertical leaps. Uh, Noah Gray better on a few of the shuttle and cone drills. Uh, he's within one inch in terms of height, 12 pounds in terms of weight. Kansas City was literally drafting their next uh, – Travis Kelsey when they found Noah Gray. That was definitely there. The, the measurables are nearly identical. It's pretty wild. And and Noah Gray, not 34 years old. Correct. Yes, he is uh, seven years younger here. Yep. Just understand, we're not saying he's going to get as many targets or anything like that with Travis Kelsey. We're just saying <laughs> from an athleticism profile, um, he can certainly catch the ball, run after catch, do some of the same things that Travis Kelsey can I think, you know, I want to move on to the next game, but Mike, let me ask you one quick question. Uh, we got a we got a question from GM Patriots Nation. Oh, my gosh. The general manager of the Patriots is on with us. That, sir, hit the like button if you would. Uh, he, he asks uh, Patrick Mahomes over 250 yards passing. Any thoughts on Patrick Mahomes passing yards here? I, I would think you'd be leaning under here. Yeah, I'm. let me try and pull up my actual number here on it. Um, my gut says under still. Uh, I think, again, possessions limited and Isaiah Pacheco. The, the Ravens are bottom third in the NFL against the run. Uh, 
against the run metrics that I care about. So I, I think Pacheco is going to run all over them. Uh, I have him at 248. So no, um, not something I would consider playing. Uh, wouldn't shock me if he gets there, but I think the scenario for him getting there is trailing by two touchdowns pretty early in the game. And lastly, Mark Andrews. I trust Meg's right that the ownership is probably going to be pretty low. It might trend up a little bit if, if reports come out that, like, hey, he's, he's really going to be a full go. But um, do you find yourself getting to Andrews' lineups on Sunday? Not exactly yet. I think it's like the price point, if he's right, is good. The And I think it's a great contrarian play. The issue is we'll talk about George Kittle in the next game. George Kittle is just $300 more. Um, right. So that becomes a problem. I've already told you I like Travis Kelsey a lot. We're sprinkling in Noah Gray. Uh, if they would let me play four tight ends like a showdown <laughs> plate, then, yeah, I uh, could definitely have some interest and get there. But I do think the ownership will be suppressed enough that it's likely worth it. The thing that I would recommend here, which we've done a few times throughout the year, uh, I think the scenario that Mark Andrews comes in and just is the only target, scores multiple touchdowns, and has 80 yards is somewhat – unlikely to where he's going to just drastically outperform say george kittle um so what i would recommend is if you like the lineup play it but if you're worried about it don't jam him in and then just simply bet him to score an anytime touchdown uh in the betting market i think that that would likely cover you and there are scenarios where he could have two catches 14 yards and a touchdown and you, you really don't care uh about what he did in dfs so that's personally how i would handle it Andrew's touchdown would likely cover you. The play on words is just wild. <laughs> this guy is next level here. All right. Speaking of next level, we got to go to a next level of scoring in Lions Niners. But before we do that, one quick break. One word from our partners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, we're back, and we've got the Lions plus seven, but also plus seven and a half in some markets. At the 49ers, of course, it's a 51 and a half point total. I saw Debro saying he liked the points here. I've been on record saying I like the points in this one too, especially if I'm getting the added hook on the Lions. Listen, I just think, you know, maybe maybe we'll toss it to you two first, just on just the game here and maybe a little bit of the, the game script. I think we've seen enough cracks with the 49ers for me to not think that they can just blow away a team that I understand like their splits aren't great uh, particularly with Jared Goff on the road and it's a tough environment but you take out Debo you look at some of the Brock Purdy decision making especially when he gets a pass rush which he's likely to get with Aiden Hutchinson and company I just see him making one or two errors and not you know necessarily fluidly moving down the field like people think they're going to move the ball down the field and for the record I think the Lions running game will have something to say about um, running on the 49ers, maybe not so much David Montgomery, maybe a little bit more Jameer Gibbs. I'm trying to find ways to get Gibbs into my lineup, 
but it's really hard when I'm trying to jam in Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, Lamar Jackson, Isaiah Pacheco, some of those like really big guns. It's hard to get to Gibbs, but I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to get there. So, Meg, I'm going to start with you. What's just your general take on this game? Are, are you liking a lot of points? Do you think 51 and a half is pretty efficient? And do you think the Lions stay close or does this become kind of a runaway game in your opinion? No, I like the Lions spread to, to your point. I think um, I actually think they're a live dog, um, but I, I do like the Lions here um, and and think they'll keep this close. And and so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in kind of telling that story in the game script. Yeah. Mike, what, what say you on that? Yeah, as far as the game, uh, it's the computer's dead on just a slight under lean. Uh, but I think the spread's mostly appropriate here. Uh, I think on the Lions side, they have to run the football. Uh, just like Baltimore, San Francisco and Baltimore, two good defenses, terrible defenses against the run, in my opinion, drastically overrated. Uh, so that's where they're most vulnerable. The thing that you have to watch out for is, you know, they have to be in the game to be able to, to work that, right? So they can't fall down two touchdowns early and have to abandon that because that's where the success is going to come. Um, I could see the Lions having success overall in this game. I don't love Jared Goff outdoors. Uh, it's been a thing throughout his entire career, but uh, I love Gibbs. I, I want to put the football in his hands as much as they can. Uh, as far as getting to him in DFS, it's, it's a tough call. Um, just because of Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Pacheco. Like, Pacheco's yeah. got a clear workload. McCaffrey definitely has a clear workload. Uh, I mean, McCaffrey, if you looked at last week when that game was competitive, you look at the other competitive game they played. I know they played more than two competitive games, but the last two competitive games, that one and against the Ravens, uh, McCaffrey's going to see 10 targets in this game minimum, like absolute no. minimum 10 targets. Uh, I think he touches the football literally 30 times in this game. Uh, does that mean you like his receiving over, which I believe is in that 36 and a half, 37 and a half yard range? I do. Yeah, I think he gets there just through sheer volume. I like the receptions over, the yardage over, total yardage. Um, I know Detroit's been good on the ground uh, against the run, but if the game is in question at all, I honestly don't think Shanahan is going to let uh, Brock Purdy lose the game for him here. Yeah, I think. I, I think that's right. I mean, it's it's interesting because, I mean, the Detroit rush defense is, is at least, you know, decent here. And it's a 128 and a half rushing and receiving total for Christian McCaffrey. Last I checked, at least. And so that's a lot of yards. But I, I volume, 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 though. Like Kyle Shanahan is not afraid to just keep Christian McCaffrey in the game. Now, Meg, you said you liked a quarterback in this game in particular. I think there's arguments for both. I, I don't know. Like, for me... I just want to stack golf with Amon Ross St. Brown and maybe one other pass catcher. And by the way, that pass catcher could be Jameer Gibbs. But just because of lineup construction, I mean, I think Gibbs is a slightly contrarian play off of like a golf stack with Amon Ra and let's say Josh Reynolds. Uh, we, this, this show has been on Josh Reynolds. He's been paying off for the most part. I think that's the direction. Like that's the easy direction for me to go golf with two pass catchers. Is that the quarterback you had in mind? You know, I would consider Goff, but actually the quarterback I was referring to is in my pool of, of two is is Purdy in this one. And it's it's kind of what I did with Stafford two weeks ago with Baker last week. You target that Lions defense. It's a pass funnel defense that you want to target them, target the quarterbacks and the pass catchers. So I feel like, you know, regardless of what Debo's status is, I feel like Purdy and Ayuk are set up for a big day here, just like Baker and Mike Evans were last week. So have a lot of interest in, of course, 
Purdy, Ayuk, Kittle, and of course, uh, Christian McCaffrey to, I mean, to Mike's point, I see him getting a ton of targets too. So I think you can have two or three with, with Purdy in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I think Purdy with Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk, or, you know, I think a lot of people do the if they're stacking. I think a lot of people do the Christian McCaffrey thing and probably throw in Kittle just from a, from a price standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, more reason to do it with Ayuk like, instead of George Kittle, in my opinion. I mean, I guess on a two-game slate, you can try to stack all three. Good luck paying for anybody else. I'll try right. to get anybody else in your lineup. So, I, I definitely think, especially without Debo, you're, you're talking about maybe a less passing, passing game to some degree because Debo's not in it, but you're certainly getting concentration of targets among literally three pass catchers plus Juwan Jennings, who I think is going to get get some work here. But, uh, Mike, what say you about Brock Purdy versus Jared Goff in terms of who you would prefer to stack? Uh, definitely the Purdy side. Um, I, I think there are scenarios where Goff doesn't have a, a great game here. They're so close in price point, just $100 more for Purdy, so – I like the weapons that he's got. You know, he can have a terrible game and Christian McCaffrey can turn a three yard pass into a 70 yard play pretty easily. So I, I'm way more interested on that side. I think the stacks are a little better with Kittle and Ayuk. Uh, I'd rather just sprinkle some of the Lions that I think that can get there through volume in a trailing game script, um, most notably Josh Reynolds. Um, so, yeah, I'll be uh, out of these two. I'd be on the Purdy side way more than the golf side. Now, most people are going to, and I'm not, this is not a criticism. I mean, I, I'm doing it, at least in large part. Most people are jamming in Amon Ross St. Brown. However, it, to, to their lineups, just in general, I'm not even talking about a particular stack. Like Amon Ross, like I think a lot of people, and Josh Lucero brought this up in the chat earlier, and, and I do this sometimes too, especially on short slates. And honestly, I did it on the, the winning lineup uh, in uh, two weeks ago when I took that tournament down. I, I just jammed in like the three guys I absolutely thought I had to play. It might have been four in that case. And I built around it. I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily, and listen, I'm talking hand building, right? A lot of, you know, Mike, I know you use an optimizer and things of that nature. A lot of people do that as well. But I'm not saying Brown's going to be in a lot of lines. Are you, are you of the mindset that he's actually fadeable here to, to get everything else that you want? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm trying to look, let's see when I have. Yeah, uh, I have. I have to run a hundred lineups to get Amonra St. Brown, with where I have him. I'm very, very. Explain that. Explain Um, that. Yeah, so just looking at his price points, uh, and then the way it prioritizes some of the other things. So, the positions um, with with Christian McCaffrey, Isaiah Pacheco, those are the first two guys in. Uh, Next, it's going to be either Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Uh, so when you have to pick three wide receivers there or get to pick three wide receivers, it's just the price point differences. Uh, it's easier for wide receivers to score PPR points. Um, so I, I just have, I'm so much lower on, uh, let's see if I can show you exactly where my projection is. I have a monitor projected down to 20 fantasy points. I think a lot of people have them closer to 22, 23. Uh, I have him down at 20 uh, in this matchup, and that was enough to not get really any of them. Um, but that's mostly because I have, you know, I have Christian McCaffrey for a medium projection of 30. Uh, I have Isaiah Pacheco at 19. Uh, I have Brandon Ayuk at 20, and I have Travis Kelsey at 20. So where it's really happening is it's prioritizing uh, Travis Kelsey's 20 at 6,900 over Almonro's 20. Uh, that's really what's happening there. Oh, very interesting. So let me ask you this. Any of your lineups or list primary lineups, are, are any of them Brock Purdy stacks? And the reason I ask that is 
I'm not really as concerned about what the Brock Purdy stack looks like. I mean, I think there's a few different ways you can you can go with it. Maybe I'll ask some follow up there. But would the bring back just be Josh Reynolds in some cases there, or would would like Gibbs make it in? I can't imagine Gibbs makes it in if Monra's not making it in just from a price value standpoint. Yeah, Gibbs doesn't make it in as much. He's in 22% of the 100. Uh, I have a 14 fantasy point projection on Gibbs, but it's mostly Josh Reynolds and Jamison Williams, uh, the two that are making it in the most. A lot of them are just Josh Reynolds lineups, but a couple of them have Reynolds and Williams both. Here's one that has... This one's very fascinating. So this is I'm going to read you this one just because I think it's super interesting and a good reminder that it is absolutely okay to play a defense against your quarterback on a two-game slate, right? Mm-hmm. So this one uh, is a Brock Purdy lineup. It fades Christian McCaffrey, but it backs everything else uh, on the San Francisco side. So it's Brock Purdy, Isaiah Pacheco, Jameer Gibbs, Rasheed Rice, Brandon Ayuk, Josh Reynolds, George Kittle, Sam Laporta and the Lions defense. Uh, it's, I would never build that by hand, obviously, um, but it's very interesting. You're grabbing Purdy with his pass catchers, which means it could be a game where the Lions might actually be winning or ahead. You've got Gibbs, Reynolds, and Laporta doing great things for the Lions. They could be ahead because their defense either scored a touchdown or at least turned Purdy over, which puts Purdy in that neutral or negative game script, throwing the football to IU and Kittle. Uh, again, it's just a, a fascinating build that you could get to um, when, when the computer takes over like that. I, I would never do it, but the trying to explain where the correlations are, uh, it's very interesting and not something you would typically ever even think of seeing on a, a you know a full 10-game slate. This is why we love short slates, right, Meg? I see you smiling and grinning. Like, this is why we love two-game slates. By the way, I I just, I created it late, but the the contest, the FFTTFS contest, it's actually in the the chat. It's in the chat right now. If you scroll up to the top, it'll also be in the YouTube and podcast description. So I only made it 150 deep because, frankly, I I, kind of started it late and I I do want to get it filled. So uh, FFTTFS contest, it is live. Get in there. It's only five bucks. Um, very fun, fun contest. And forgive me, next episode, I'll shout out the winner from last week. I actually didn't um, put that in here. So that's on me. Uh, that person tweeted at me and he was very, very proud as he I should I like this lineup. They had a great yeah, lineup. Yeah, it, it was a great, great lineup. Um, Meg, I want to kick it to you to talk about maybe some low price options that you might be considering uh, in this Lions-Niners game. But before we do that, uh, let's hear one more quick message from our partner. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. So, Meg, we talked about some low price options in, in that first game. I mean, Noah Gray certainly came up a lot. I, I think guys like Nelson Aguilar are certainly in play, depending on how you're stacking your lineup and, 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 and what, you know, what your game script is. I think even MVS, Justin Watson, I think they're at least in play, depending on how you're constructing your lineup and, and what you're trying to fade. But in this Lions-Niners game, there's guys like Jawan Jennings, who if Debo doesn't play, is certainly going to get some targets. He's 4,600. Ray Ray McLeod and, and Chris Conley, they're in like that low 3K range, probably not getting there with them. 
Jamison Williams at, at 3,700. Now, just so everybody understands the price difference, Josh Reynolds, 4,000. He's been way more productive than Jamison Williams at 3,700. What's so interesting to me, Meg, about Jamison Williams is he's so fast. He's so athletic, but he's not getting separation. Like, I mean, they, like the, the, the Bucks DBs were like kind of all over him on some of these passes. And I, I, I just don't have a lot of faith that Jamison Williams is going to get loose unless it's just like one of those blown coverage situations and he's just down the field five yards past the DB. Nonetheless, I mean, he can he, he can hit a 70-yard bomb. We know that. Uh, do you like any of these low-priced options in, the, in this game? I mean, Mike talked about Reynolds. I agree with that. And Jamison Williams. I think, you know, I think they will be somewhat popular, but for good reason. I think it's a way to get access to that game and likely a potential Lions chilling game script and a, a game where the Lions are staying in it, as we said, um, without having to pay too much money and break the bank. So obviously those are my two favorite. I don't see me getting too cute with, you know, those 49er receiver options that are way down. Obviously Jennings, I have interest in, especially if Debo's out, but he's a little higher. So, um, you know, kind of that Jennings, Reynolds, Jamison Williams in that section. And I don't see much else that I can get to. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on some of these low-end receivers? Yeah, I think that some of them will be viable. Uh, the one that I would call out on the San Francisco side, uh, we already mentioned Juwan Jennings. I think he's tremendous. He's so difficult to tackle. He's a little bit like Debo in that sense. But uh, also on the San Francisco side, Chris Conley, former Kansas City Chief. Uh, mm. The last two games, he got to play a little more in that Week 18 game that didn't matter. Saw some action uh, against Green Bay uh, after Debo went out. He is 3K, which is the minimum for a wide receiver. If you think the Lions are going to be competitive and or potentially upsetting, uh, I could definitely see scenarios where Conley is relevant here. Okay. I think we covered most of this in terms of the two games. Like, listen, well, like I, I do want to cover one more thing before we get out of here, but I, I think the important part of this show is the roster construction part. Like, obviously, w we like certain games. We like certain game scripts. We like certain quarterbacks and stacks. And it, it's really that next level that we, we talked about with Meg and Mike in terms of like, all right, well, how are you playing it? And, and in a two-game slate, you know, what can you do to be different and, and what like what rules are kind of out the window? And I think we covered that in a big way. But let me ask you all this, Meg, I'm going to start with you in terms of you've got it sounds like two favorite quarterbacks. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's Lamar Jackson and it's Brock Purdy. If you're yep. doing one lineup, who, who leads the way? I think it, it would at quarterback at quarterback. at quarterback for me, it would be Lamar Jackson, just because I think of that potential ceiling and how he could potentially lap the field in at the quarterback position. All right, Mike, same question for you. Yeah, I mean, in terms of upside, it's definitely Lamar. Um, I'm leaning Purdy just slightly, but I, I can tell you I'm going to play three different quarterbacks. So it'll be Purdy, Lamar, and Mahomes. Um, lean Lamar, just like Meg said, the ceiling. I think there's absolutely a scenario where Lamar puts up 40 and the next best quarterback on the slate is sitting at 17, 18, and the rest of the lineup just simply doesn't matter. Fair enough. Uh, okay. I, I feel like before we get out of here, because this is kind of like it, uh, an unusual show, we're normally going through like 10 games, right? And talking about our best plays. We only had two games to cover. Meg, is there anybody I didn't bring up or any concept I didn't bring up that you're like, hey, um, you know, I, I really, I really like this. I didn't get a chance to mention it. You didn't ask uh, anything that we didn't go over. Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question. By the way, if the answer is no, we went over everything. That's cool, too. 
Um, no, I don't think there's anything we didn't really go over, but I, I think, you know, obviously I'm going to be drawn to a lot of pieces that are going to be fairly chalky. And so at this point, I'm just looking for just, you know, one or two guys that are going to separate me right now. I'm kind of gravitating towards, you know, maybe one Ravens pass catcher, but you know, we'll see come, comes, come Sunday morning, but yeah, I'm just kind of looking for those one or two guys that could separate me ownership wise. Um, and that's what I'm focusing on right now, but I do like the, the Ravens pass catcher to potentially be that speaking of mike i mean I, I think what you said about that that crazy lineup I'm, I'm air quoting crazy lineup that didn't have cmc the lineups that you have that don't have amon ross st brown i mean that's like the most clear way here right and so is that sort of you know, in a two-game slate you don't have to fade those guys i'm not saying you should necessarily but the clearest path to having a lineup and a roster construction that's different is to fade one of those two studs is it not yeah, definitely. I think it's fade one of the two uh, in that game, which we know is the game that's going to be stacked more. We know it's the higher scoring game, uh, at least, you know, implied. So, yeah, fading one of those two is definitely, <coughs> excuse me, going to get you a little different. Uh, the other way that I'm going to be getting different, I, I can tell you right now, um, I'm playing the underdog defenses for sure. So, like, the Lions defense is by far my most popular defense when I build. Um, not a lot of people are going to play them. They're all within a very similar price range. Um, but when, when you look at everything there, like, is, is it possible Brock Purdy throws an interception, gets sacked? Absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, get different by fading one of the top two studs and don't be afraid to play defenses against your quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy should have thrown at least two picks to the house last week. I mean, listen, they, they shouldn't have won that game. I mean, we don't need to rehash that, but like the Packers were the better team. They ended up losing the game somehow at the end. But the the, the point I'm bringing up, listen, I love the Niners. They're my preseason Super Bowl pick. I think they're still going to win the Super Bowl somehow uh, with maybe winning this game by three or four points and Debo being healthy in the Super Bowl. But one thing we've seen from Brock Purdy, especially when he played the Ravens, uh, but even since then, uh, He's prone to mistakes. I mean, the weather's going to be good, so he should be in, in good shape. But Aiden Hutchinson, like, listen, he, there might be some bad decision-making. So that Detroit Lions defense uh, certainly makes sense. I, I, I know, Mike, I know you have something. I'm, I'm going to say something about the Chiefs defense, too. Like, if the Chiefs end up up in this game somehow, we know they can get pressure on the quarterback, too. You put Lamar in a bad situation in a trailing game script, I'm not saying he can't come back from that. But that, that to me, is kind of a sneaky defense, if you, especially if you think the Chiefs can be playing from the lead. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to comment. Derek Brown says, Kadarius Tony." I actually agree. Uh, he he is someone that will potentially make my lineups. Uh, it, it's going to come down to whether I'm double tight end and play a lot of Noah Gray at 25 or if I'm able to make it work with a receiver at 32. Um, I think we all know about Kadarius Tony's skill set. It's incredibly frustrating at times, but there's no doubt that he is an incredible athlete um with one of the best quarterbacks ever trying to deliver the football to him so i don't want to rule him out because the way that they get creative at the goal line while it may be frustrating to some of us he's exactly the kind of person that they want to put the football in the hands of near the goal line one touchdown at 3200 seven points might be enough on the slate Fair enough. A uh, very interesting value option. Hopefully he can maximize the few touches he gets. It certainly makes sense, especially near the goal line. We've seen it from Kadarius Tony. He also says he agrees with you on Detroit. He says that's the best DST, best play of the slate on defense is what he says. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's a show. Uh, I hope we got she kind of got the wheels turning a little bit. Don't forget the one thing we didn't talk about, but we talk about a lot, um, particularly on the Tuesday show. 
pick the right contest. You know, like you, you can pick the big contest. That's great. But pick some of the smaller contests with maybe just 500 people in them or, or even less or even just a little bit more, maybe less than a thousand. Don't just get into like the single entry 12,000, 20,000 entry contest and think that like you're good because it's a single entry. Play those two if you want. I play them. But play the ones. The tournament I took down a couple of weeks ago was 2,400 people. Mm -hmm. That's still a lot. It was a great lineup. It, it worked out for me. But that you know, you, you want to go sort of across the board. You want to max out your entries in single entry three max, or you know, if you're if you're max entering at 150, that's great too. But don't just pick the huge contest with the huge prize at the end that looks so attractive. Because ultimately, if you just choose those contests, you're going to need a near perfect lineup to cash, and that's not what you want to do for your DFS psyche or your DFS bankroll. But ladies and gentlemen. That's going to do it. On behalf of Meg Schaup, on behalf of Mike McClure, Nada on the ones and twos, and D-Bro in the chat. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. We'll see you next week.